down in Petersburg, everything's fine. All lamb cats is drinking that wine, drinking that mess is their delight. When he gets drunk, start singing all night, drinking wine's for the to drink wine. Wine's for the to drink wine. Wine's for the to drink wine. Pass that bottle to me. Drinking that mess is their delight. When he gets drunk, start fighting all night. Knock down windows and tan down door. Drinking half gowns and calling for more. Drinking wine's for the to drink wine. Wine's for the to drink wine. Welcome, everyone, to a fresh episode of Tasting Anarchy. I'm uh, your host, Jacob, and the other host, Mason. We're here to taste wild and crazy things, but also to discuss the political philosophy of anarchy <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and a myriad of other things. And how we relate it to whatever we want. Yes, yeah. yeah. Yep. So, so. Uh, this week, uh, Mason chose the wine, and uh, I will allow him to introduce it. Yeah, so as uh, I'm sure listeners will realize, I think it was a pretty much maybe not the last time I recorded, but the time before that, we did the two wines that you got for me for my birthday, mm-hmm. which um, both Pinots, yep. um, you know, 20 and $40 price point wines. So I was, New Year birthday was coming mm-hmm. up, and now we drank these in like March. My birthday's in late yeah. January. Your birthday's a week away, roughly, a little less than a week at this point. Um, so I was like, all right, I'm going to get Jacob a wine, and I'm not going to tell him how much it costs while we're fi- while we're recording, or until late mm-hmm. in the recording, to see where we are yeah. with our tasting abilities. So... Of course, I go for a cab because I don't want to like buy him like a, a very you know like a Pinot or something like that. And like, oh, this two dollar and fifty cent Pinot Grigio. Yeah. <laughs> like, ha ah, how would you know? <laughs> like, I you know get him something that he's familiar with, which left me uh, not sure footed because yeah. I, and I loose I, I don't know the right you know sure footed is the you know what you're doing and then I don't know right. what the opposite of that is like okay. in footing so right. <laughs> loose footing. But you know I've had a lot of cabs, but you know I we don't. You don't usually read the tasting uh, notes from Total Wine, and that's yeah. what I primarily read oh, right, when okay. I'm looking at wines that have them. They don't mm-hmm. always have them, but you know, I, I look at them. So this one is from the Pina, and I know I'm probably not pronouncing that the way you would in Spanish, yeah. but uh, the Pina Winery. They're out of Napa Valley. They're actually they're they grow in Napa. Okay. Like, so it's not like, oh, we're in Napa and then they're this. But like, right. I think they're in Roxville or something. Uh-huh. Um, like the winery itself, like on the back of the bottle. Um, I mean, they had it. So this is the Pina Napa Valley, um, Howell Mountain Cabernet Sauvignon um, from the Buckeye Vineyard. And this is 100% cab. Um, I don't have the tasting notes from the winery itself for this year, mm-hmm. but I have the one for 2013. Because I don't want to spoil some of it. I'll mm-hmm. go over some of those things and interesting things about it after we kind of get where we're going. So, um, alluring aromas of ripe plum and blackberry are fresh and snappy, offering notes of raspberry and violet. Firm on the palate, displaying a minerally earthy texture and loamy tannins. Now, that's Total Wine's description. Yeah. And then they have concentrated blueberry espresso, full bodied. Now, none of what I read previously. Yeah said anything about espresso. Hmm. Espresso being, you know, very yeah. concentrated coffee. Well, yeah, that's yeah. right. I drink the, uh, well, I drink espresso, but it's it's uh, instant coffee espresso, yeah. so I dilute it a bunch. Yeah, so I drink espresso, yeah. like, and I drink lattes. Okay. Like, so if I go to Starbucks, I usually have a latte. 
and we have a and specifically an espresso machine at home mm-hmm. not a very expensive one but that's what we have and i make a latte yeah pretty much every morning except for i don't steam the milk that's part of it so i mm. see you've had a yeah. sip so this is it's interesting to me because when they they say plum and stuff i would i would say oaky an oaky smell oh you're doing pretty good there because it smells to me more like it and i I wouldn't necessarily say new oak because when you taste it it doesn't have the butteriness of new oak Mm -hmm. but it does have an oaky flavor it's also like a nice uh throat burn so Um, what if i told you the 2014 or 20 uh yeah excuse me um yeah this is the 2012 so the the one that the winery mm -hmm. has notes for on their website uh 100 oak french 66% 66% new. Okay. Oh, so, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so they had they had some interesting notes on the available yeah. on this. Yeah, because it, it, it does have an oaky smell, and it does smell a little bit like new oak because it does smell buttery, but when you taste it, it's not. However, the taste is very full-bodied, but smooth, like like silky. And um, yeah, and then it does have the tannicness, but the tannicness is on the back end, not the front end, like a lot mm-hmm. of cabs. Um, yeah. And I, I, I like it. It's good. It's, it's really yeah. good. So this is a single vineyard mm-hmm. and each one of theirs because they like i said um I, I don't know if i said it on air but they they only do cabs mm-hmm. each cab comes from a specific place that they grow so like the whole the whole well mountain is specifically this one and then okay. they have another vineyard and then that's the name now this is the buckeye vineyard but okay. it's part of their vineyard set right so. so it's interesting too that if you take a sip and it does have sort of the dark fruit flavors plum mm-hmm. b- blackberry that sort of thing and then if you wait a minute it there's like a sweetness that takes a second like that is like or more like a sweet and sour kind of that takes a second i i it's, can see that yeah, yeah it's interesting so the 2013 is 14.7% alcohol by okay. volume, which makes it the most alcoholic that we've had. We've had. Okay. Now, the, while same vineyard, mm-hmm. because I could not find the same tasting notes, this could be 15. This could be 13. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't we don't really know. I know it's I know it's a high percentage. Um, I think I said that down on the bottom of the bottle, down there on the bottom. Oh. Uh, there's actually a sticker from Total Wine. Oh, okay. I thought I saw it. Hang on, let me. Look. Oh wait, it does. It does. Sorry. What's it say? Fourteen point nine. Wow. So, so yeah. that is very high. Yeah, very strong. So this must have been, this must, and that's probably where the fruit flavors come from. This must have been a very sugary cab batch mm-hmm. that they, because one of the the key characteristics of a cab is that they're dry. Yeah. And this is very dry, um, and. What makes a dry wine is that the sugars are all metabolized. Mm-hmm. So if you have a very sweet Cabernet grape with lots of sugar in it, and you allow it to ferment all the way or nearly all the way, you're going to get a very alcoholic wine. Yeah, but it does not taste overly alcoholic. Yeah, it does it have it does have a throat burn, but it doesn't taste like you're drinking like Thunderbird, where you're like, this yeah. is 55 percent alcohol. Right. Like, I'm yeah. going to get yeah. trashed. And it doesn't and it doesn't it doesn't give like that like the effervescent like coughing mm. like where it's like where you feel like your nose and throat tighten up a little bit. It's more just, it's got a smooth burn, very silky texture, yeah. but full bodied. Uh, so it's, it's a heavy mouth feel. Um, and see, these are a lot of characteristics I expect from blended wineries yeah. where they try to smooth the mm-hmm. wine. So that, that could say two things. One, they had an amazing growing season because all of the grapes that came out mm-hmm. were consistent. Mm-hmm. Two, they did something to balance it, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm not going to be like, oh, they disparaging like they yeah. they're a winery. They know what they're doing. They, right. they balanced it in some way, or they just really know what they're doing yeah. as a winery, like in general, yeah. like like not having that, like having the complexity there. Yeah, because it is it is very like it does have that kind of like tanniness, mm-hmm. but it's it's so much less tannic than 
than you would expect. Then, yeah, than you'd yeah, expect because for, like, yeah, for that much for such a high percentage. Uh, and I want because I know the tannicness comes from the skins and the vines because mm-hmm. that's they usually will they'll press that all together and you get the tannic from that. Yeah. I wonder if there's if they took out some of that or took out some of the vines. Maybe it's possible. Um, I, that is definitely yeah. That's a that's a really good question. This is one of those wineries that like you know. So long-term goal of show, mm-hmm. tours of Napa, yeah. you know, things like that. I'd love to go and talk to them. Oh, yeah. And, like, especially if we could, like, get them to listen to, you know, and even if they don't have to listen to the anarchy part of the show, just, like, the upfront, like, yeah. two guys who have been drinking wine for a while but not, like. And not analyzing it or anything. Not yeah. analyzing it that way and then starting to try to analyze it and see, like, what they think about our thoughts about it. Right. Now, I don't get any espresso. Yeah, I don't either. Um, blackberry, I can kind of get that. Mm-hmm. I think total wine said blueberry. Yeah, I don't see blueberry. Let me check but blue, that again. A blueberry is such a delicate flavor too, though. So I, I think but, I just don't t- detect it very often. But that's the thing is, like when something has blueberry, it can be very sharp. Yeah. And tart. Okay. You know, blueberries can be very tart yeah. depending on when you harvest them. So now, oh, sorry, just I, I had a random text that oh. I, I wasn't expecting. Yeah, I kind of feel like it's a. Uh, I do taste dark fruit, so mm-hmm. I do taste that plum. I, I would say blackberry as well, maybe cherry, but I don't. I don't see. I don't see blueberry. It's just, but that may just be an unrefined palate. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like they didn't really talk about blueberry in theirs, but I could get yeah. the violet. Mm-hmm. So price point, what do you think? Well, I, I will point this out too, just for the listeners, and we'll probably put a picture up on the website about this. This is a very handsome bottle yeah. as well. Very simple, minimalist. Um, it looks nice. I would, I'd say maybe. I mean, it's a good wine. I'd mm-hmm. say thirty dollars, maybe maybe more, maybe thirty five. Okay, but I think it tastes pretty good, and it looks and it looks expensive. It does so, look expensive, but that also could be cheap. That's true, because you you get the you get the wineries like Rex Goliath. You've got the yeah. big chicken, you know, and the, right. they're they're they are not trying to baloney anyone. They yeah. are upfront, like this is the wine we produce. Right, take it or leave it. We're trying to get more people to drink wine. And enjoy mm-hmm. our product. They are low end wine, mm-hmm. but then you get some other the other low end ones. Very minimalistic label, barely anything. Now yeah. this has no label. It's all printed yeah. on the bottle. So, yeah. and, and then, I would also think that it being a single vineyard wine mm-hmm. and being uh, from a very well known wine region, mm-hmm. um, that I think that kind of elevates the price point. But I think because you and I both just drink cheap wines most of the time. We're not even cheap, but $20 price point is pretty close to where we are normally and maybe a little less. And uh, so, I, I mean, I would say I'd say this is probably high 20s, low 30s, but I, I, okay. wouldn't, I wouldn't have any place to reference it any higher. So, I'm going to give you more information. Okay. And we'll see if it changes your, your price estimate. Okay. We are truly one of Napa Valley's secret wineries. Perched above the Silverado Trail east of Rutherford, our tiny winery is home to five vineyards, uh, vineyard-designated Cabernet Sauvignons from vineyards or vineyards that are family farms in the Napa Valley. We are one of the of only a handful of eight-generation Napa Valley farming families. Our great-grandfather, Bulford Stice, led a wagon train to Napa Valley in 1865 from Missouri. His son, Lafayette Stice, was a leader in the wine industry of Napa Valley at the turn of the 20th century. We hope that you will visit us and enjoy our wine and heritage. So I so, feel like because they're pointing out that they're little known, that would mean it's cheaper. Well, they're pointing out that they're small okay. and in Napa Valley. Okay. So now I don't know. I, I don't hard. know Napa yeah. well enough to be like, oh, Napa is super expensive, yeah. like territory wise. So, hmm. do you want to know, or do you want to think on it some more? 
Let's let's think on it and we'll talk okay. a little bit because also I'm 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 starting to like taste other things in it as well as we go further. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I'll think about it a little bit more. All right. It's starting to become a little more complex. So funny story. Yeah. I was in Total Wine, mm-hmm. and my current favorite house wine, which I'm not going to try to pronounce the name of because I always get it. it it's uh, like Gerstwurstmuster. Okay. It's a different German varietal. Like at, um, so I I go into Total Wine and, and I. I don't always price comparison shop things. Like yeah. I just find what I'm interested in, and I usually pick the sure. price point that we normally stand, and I purchase it. Mm-hmm. So I'm in line. I'm in Total Wine, and this wine that I bought randomly at Kroger, and I was going to do a Tales from the Discount, mm-hmm. I absolutely love. Kroger and other places have it on like normal listed price, twelve ninety nine. Okay, it's normally six dollars at those places. Like it's always I always see it on sale right. when I see it for sale. It's four ninety five at Total Wine. Wow. Yeah, it is cheap. awesome. Huh. It is just a great wine. And I'll, I'll bring, you know, it's one of the ones I plan to bring next time. Okay. And I was going to try to do, I was going to do two. I was going to give you the option of doing the birthday wine this mm-hmm. week or waiting for your, your week to do yeah. it. Well, this is my, this is my birthday week. So. Well, no, I'm saying oh, the, oh. the, your wine week is kind of like, Hey, I did all, like you did the work on picking out the two other wines, got you know, it, kind of as it, a, yeah. Hey, here's that. No, I still have another wine to okay. offer for that. Okay. But sure. I was going to bring that wine in. Yeah. But I ended up drinking all of it because <laughs> it's, I mean, it's not super alcoholic, but it's really good. But like, right. you know, it's four ninety nine. And then like, I found several other wines that I've enjoyed and gotten other places, uh-huh. even cheaper at Total Wine. And I was kind of yeah, like, like, Total Wine does have good prices. And this was really good prices in like, mm. I was super surprised by that. Given the difficulty of nature of importing into Virginia, like yeah. we were talking about, uh-huh. like, you know, the restrictions and imports and wines and things right. like that. But, like, it truly is. Like, if you're a specialty mm. shop, you can really drive down the price. Yeah. So well, that's that also, of, you know, the box wine that uh, we both kind of were introduced to wine with, uh, the Black Box Cabernet, yeah. uh, Nate's old favorite. Um, that at Total Wine is $16 and at Harris Teeter is 20 Yeah. Now, Harris Teeter being... The more fancy Kroger, right? Yeah, the more fancy Kroger. But I think it's I think it's twenty regular Kroger too. Yeah. Uh, but uh, actually, I know it is because at Kroger Marketplace, it's the same price. It's yeah. Twenty dollars. So interesting that it, that the price difference. Although I'll I'll share my sort of tales from the discount a little bit. Is a local grocery chain is going out of business um, or was sold? It's not. I guess it's not going out of business it's technically. All three. It's all three possibilities okay. because they're the there's they have thirty three stores. Okay. Twenty seven <laughs> were sold. Okay. To three different grocery chains, so Kroger and Harris Teeter, which Harris Teeter being a wholly owned subsidy of Kroger, but Harris Teeter itself bought some, Kroger bought some, and then competitor Food Lion bought others. Okay. And then the others are just closing. Going out of business. Yeah, going out of business. So, like, basically everything that could happen kind of did except for a merger in the continuance of the brand. Yeah, which is very interesting to me because I, when we first moved here from California, we thought of Farm Fresh as being kind of fancier. Yeah. Well, it it was for a long time because it was uh, the local. Yeah, and it's we like quartered here and everything like that. Yeah. yeah. So, anyways, they they're going out of business, so they have all of their wines are on sale twenty to thirty percent off. And uh, so, my wife and I went and picked up some different things that, um, and I got the which we're going to do in a future episode. The uh, other freak show, which is right. the, uh, yeah. it's a blended red instead of a straight cab. Um, and then they have another one called Petite something, which mm-hmm. I can't remember what it's called at this m- moment, which is a Syrah blend. Yeah. And um, and I and both of those I was like, oh, good deal, twenty uh, percent off. And then I bought them, looked them up on Total Wine, and they were like a dollar less than Total Wine, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. which is from where you bought them. I'm betting was probably 
a five minute walk yeah, away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> not, like not far at all. But there's like there's tons of people there at Farm Fresh buying up all their yeah. wine that they could because you know a couple. But you know, I end up buying eight bottles. So mm-hmm. if I saved eight bucks, eight bucks is you know that's nice, I guess. Yeah, and that's the thing is like, and I had a good, a really good Pinot from them. That yeah, because I don't normally buy Pinots. I got a I got a Merlot which I don't normally buy, and a Pinot that I don't normally buy. Both of them. The, the Merlot I probably wouldn't get again, but it was good. Mm. I, and the, but the Pinot, like I might get that one again. That was very exceptional. Yeah. So my my wonder is because as we talked when we started mm. the series, like I was into white wines, yeah. not Chardonnay, but like I like right. white wine, whereas you really only liked cabs mm-hmm. and blackberry wine. Mm-hmm. But like I wonder if you had had those, would you like the Merlot? You said you know probably wouldn't have again, but yeah. wasn't bad. But like the Pinot, would you have been as impressed? Like that's I, what yeah, I I'm wondered. not sure because it was it it doesn't. So Pinots have this Pinot in particular very different characteristics in cabs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are they are similar in some ways. Um, they do have like kind of the ripe dark fruitiness to mm-hmm. them. But the, this Pinot is uh, not nearly as tannic. Very full bodied. Um, chocolatey almost like mm. a, almost a chocolatiness to it okay um but also sort of like a chocolate covered plum type flavor where the chocolate's kind of a hint not i don't really. think i've ever had a chocolate flavored plum but okay. now i'm regretting my life if i've not had one because <laughs> yeah. that sounds awesome yeah it, it was it was very good and and like su- very surprising to me because it's just not a not a type i get like yeah. i would i would eat that with like bacon i think that would be a good pairing food for it yeah I, that's the thing is like you know, my feeling is like I want a lighter wine with meat. Yeah, yeah. And I want a darker wine mm-hmm. with lighter fare because okay, I, yeah. I like the, the contrast right. of the heaviness. But yeah. I'll take what, most wines that I can get <laughs> as long as it's not right. Chardonnay. Yeah, like, speak, and this yeah. thing is like, I bet if I had an expensive Chardonnay, I'd probably like it. Yeah. But I just, I don't taste enough difference in any of them. And I'm not impressed when yeah. I'm like, there's a Pinot right there. Like, it's just right. Well, I'm not sure if you're going this uh, Thursday is uh, Taste in Hampton. I am. You are going? Okay, mm-hmm. so we'll go there together. I think there's a couple of wineries that'll be there mm. um, for some samples. So we'll be able to sample some wine and pair it with a, a number of other foods. It's for the uh, food bank of the peninsula, I yeah. think. And they're, uh, you know, so anybody who's listening who is in the area or anywhere, food bank is, you know, a uh, charity that I think is important. Um, I, yeah, I think this thing is, I, I think they do do a good work. Mm-hmm. Um I wish they weren't subsidized by the government, but yeah, it is I what mean, it is. Like considering the things the government could be subsidizing, yeah, I'd much rather. I'm do that. less concerned that they're subsidizing a food bank. Yeah. I'm more concerned the fact that they have to mm-hmm. subsidize the food bank, and local local people aren't stepping up. And and this is something that I was talking about with my wife over the weekend was um, kind of like what do what do what's the role of churches because. Mm-hmm. You know, I stopped going to church when we were eight, and it's not like my parents became atheists and I stopped going. Like, my parents just stopped going, and then, like, in my 20s, it was just like, I don't believe it anymore. Yeah. Like, became a Buddhist for a while, and then I was just like, yeah, whatever. I'm I'm just not going to worry about this anymore. Right. Um. But that's where, like, I, I didn't grow up with the church. My parents mm-hmm. weren't ever, like, super bad off as far as I know. So, like, yeah. they, you know, we didn't have the pastor over for Sunday supper to like mm. mentor my sister or something like you know right. none of that like yeah that classic like you think of like a pastor like doing other things sure. but like to me it was always kind of like people were just soaking up money from a community like that's what okay. I always saw certain churches as you know like yeah. there are plenty of church like there are plenty of Catholic churches that, mm. that aren't that way like they sure. go and do stuff yeah. and there are plenty of like Pentecostal churches who do that but like I'm thinking of those like disciple of the word of christ of the god right. of the, the father of the third son of the left on the right and you're yeah. like 
What does that mean? How like <laughs> how's that even a name? And it's like in a strip mall, and sure. like there's no way there's ever enough parking there. And you're like, yeah. who are you bilking? Or right. are you guys so amazing that I'm truly missing out on something? Sure. Like an enriching experience. Because that's one of the things that like, if you were to become like a pastor before you became like a Quaker, right. I would attend because I feel that your sermons would be enriching, even yeah. if I didn't believe in the message of the redemption. Sure. But they would be like about being a better person sure. and, and, you know, what to be. Mm-hmm. And that's where, you know, like to me, it's always kind of like, okay, there's like these, like, and he drives up in an Escalade and you're like, <laughs> did the church get that donated to them by right. like some drunk who was right. like, ah, oh, they saved me from the bottle. Right. Here's my Escalade. <laughs> like, maybe, I, you know, I, yeah. I don't know these things, but I always think the worst because like, sure. I think well, of them like, yeah. I think of them yeah. like a government. And that's yeah. kind of what I was also talking to my wife about is like, how a lot of the churches have these huge bureaucracies because oh, yeah, the, the thing that the thing that I this is a revelation that to me mm-hmm. is the state poisons the environment of everything because like in the early 1900s the GDP of the United States was you know X dollars mm-hmm. and the government was three percent of that now it's like sixty percent mm-hmm. so back when it was three dollars what what did you want to emulate you wanted to emulate the best businessman because he was the most successful guy because he was right. the biggest thing. Corporations were the biggest thing. Now the government's the biggest thing. So what are they emulating? Yeah. Government. Inefficiency. Bureaucracies. Like these layers and layers of garbage. There's a really good um, podcast called – it's either Libertarian Christians or Christian Anarchists. I can't remember what it is right now, but – I'm gonna look it up real quick because it's yeah. gonna really bug me. Because it's in my <laughs> thing, but they so, actually they do talk about. So while while you're looking it up, I, I will say this cork that came with the wine, yeah, pretty cool, looks really long by comparison oh. to other corks, and it's also very disshaped. <laughs> well, like, that might be from like the way that we opened. Well, it. my terrible opening, but like that'll that'll play into something later. But like if they make their own corks too, that'd be cool. But yeah, you know, the Libertarian Christian podcast. Ah. So they're, they're stationed out of uh, Texas, and Bob Murphy apparently knows them. Hmm. And actually, they had recently an introduction by Jeffrey Tucker, who uh, was the editor of um, like the Catholic Music Magazine or something mm-hmm. for a long time. I, there's there's a lot of Catholic libertarians, which I find very interesting. Yeah, um, I I find it baffling, but I also have a disfavorable opinion of the Catholic Church. Yeah. That I'm under the impression, based on um, how the Catholic Church saved the world or made the West, whatever Which is whatever Tom's book is, awesome, awesome book. It's it's yeah. how, it's how the Catholic Church built West, the West, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like Western civilization. But such like, a good book. And that's the thing is like anyone else writing it yeah. that wasn't Tom Woods, Bob yeah. Murphy, or like you know, I know Ron Paul's not a Catholic, but like if Ron Paul mm. wrote that book, I'd be like, okay. I'm betting this is very well researched, and I don't need to go look at the footnotes mm-hmm. and and track everything down. It's like it's like reading Scott Horton's book, which I'm still and I and I I say this with the most amount of respect, slogging through because it is so painful to just watch Death. him destroy yeah. the stupidity yeah. of the Afghanistan war, page after page. And it's like any one of these things should have right. been enough to be like, leave, just yeah. leave. Yeah, like why, like. And that's that's one of the amazing things. Apparently, Trump was like, "Yeah, we're getting out of Syria." Yeah, and if he does it, awesome. Well, I saw I saw that actually. Well, Dave that. Smith Dave Smith talked about that on SE Cup. Yeah, like I, I and I I like SE Cup a lot, but she's like, "Well, we can't we can't leave because like all these people are dying." And Dave, like I don't know how Dave's not like reaching over like slapping her in the face and being like, "People are dying." Because we're there. <laughs> people were dying before we were there. Yeah. More people have died since we've been there. Yeah. And more people will continue to die no matter what. Right. But, like, I think that was one of the things that freaked me out this weekend was the, 
oh, the Russians ultimately provided nerve gas for the Syrian regime after, like, yeah. why, like... Which, how, by the way, I believe that was all disproven, that aside... It hasn't been... Well, the See, that's the thing. The McMasters came out and said, yeah, we never had any proof of the one where Trump bombed the last okay. the last time. We never had any... Ev- we, we've never had any proof. Assad has got the last stronghold of the enemy. Right. If you had the gas... Why use it now? Yeah, it like, doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like you fought this nasty, nasty war. Like, and they're doing terrible things. Barrel bombs. Sure. They oh, are yeah. awful people. Not that we're any better, but they're awful people. But they fought this terrible, terrible war of attrition. What is gassing a like using a small amount of gas going to prove at this point? Mm-hmm. Like, why would you risk the ire of these other countries? And it's like the narrative of and. Like Britain of the gas attack is falling apart. Right. Like where people are like, yeah, there's no way he would have survived. And then also like the Russians are like, yeah, that was just a code name for a bunch of things that we didn't actually make. Right. And the only guy who's saying this was ever made is the guy who claimed to have made it who defected. Right. We're like, yeah, we this, you know, and and then the chemicals apparently, you and I could get them and could make the supposed nerve agent in your kitchen. Right. It's not a, apparently it's not a very complicated one to make. Right. And to be like, oh yeah, it's Russian seventies, like unless you had like a specific radioactive isotope that you knew only came from Russian reactors that Russia had never lost control of. Right. You, you can't no see, idea, like, there's yeah. no way. Right. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's silly. Point? And also, yeah, there's no, and especially since he's winning. Yeah, and that's like the, like the, the thing with Putin. Right. Like, why would he gas this guy when he's been kicking this much butt right. in international politics and like making Trump and like everybody look like fools? Like, right. what would be the yeah. value of and that? And he just won elect re-election by a landslide. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, technically. <laughs> yeah, but, well, you're not running against anybody, really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but actually, speaking of Trump, mm. Ooh, my article, yeah. or not Trump, uh, Putin. Putin. My article is about that. And this is a article from The Telegraph uh, by- oh, the, In the UK. Yep, by the John Philip. And it is the article, and I'll just summarize it real quick. It's basically, there was a big wine festival in, in Italy. Mm-hmm. And it's a great place for people to showcase their wines, you know, try to get uh, European wines from Eastern Europe introduced to Western Europe, uh, you know, countries among others that have yeah. been trying to get their wines to be more popular in Western Europe and the United States is Georgia, like Georgia yeah. Moldova, um, you know, Latvia, like these places that you don't really think of wine coming from, or like Belarus, like Ukraine is a good one too. Well, there was a country that is there that was showcasing wine that mm-hmm. was uh, not welcome, and that is the annexed Republic of Crimea ah. that was there. Show- well, there was a- one vendor from Crimea mm-hmm. who was showcasing Crimean wines, one of the oldest wine regions in the world, very diverse culture, and like you had – it was Ottoman-controlled for a while. It had been Russian-controlled. It's been British-controlled. It's been French-controlled. It's been Ukrainian-controlled. It's been Russian-controlled again. It's been controlled by uh, 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 Poland when mm-hmm. Poland was there. It used to be part of the Austrian-Hungarian Empire. It's you know it's a very diverse place, but it's also uh, close to Georgia in age for wine growing. Mm-hmm. Um, very very diverse, very interesting wine region. So the guy was there. And but very well uh, underrepresented or not well known. Mm-hmm. Beautiful weather. Uh, Victoria, my wife, is from Ukraine and she's been to Crimea. She says it's really gorgeous. Very Mediterranean weather. Really nice place. And this yeah, guy, apparently, it's awesome. Yeah, I've, I've heard it's just awesome. It's just a really great yeah. place. Wonderful place to summer. And uh, so this guy brought uh, wine. He was not not he's not Ukrainian or he's not whatever Crimean, um, but he had a lot of wines to showcase and. Lo and behold, the police show up, arrest him, and seize all of his Crimean wine because it violates the sanctions against Russia. <laughs> and 
Wait, the EU sanctions against Russia? Yep. Okay. I, e- EU and Italian sanctions. Okay. So, gotcha. Um, so he was not allowed to bring those wines into Italy because the sanctions against Russia. Now, now the I don't think Putin himself responded, but his department or whatever, his government responded saying this is ridiculous. Like, it's wine. Let him go. And also, it's wine. He had like 30 bottles. <laughs> and But at the same time, it's like this is... I think this really showcases kind of what Ron Paul has always said, which is when goods cross borders, bombs don't Mm -hmm. or soldiers don't or whatever it is. I mean, Uh, like it's and Ron Paul doesn't make any lay any claim to that quote. Right. But yeah, but he's the one who I've heard say it. I'm pretty sure that other people Stapleton says it a lot. Like, yeah, when goods cross borders, armies don't. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is a really good example of this is where you had an opportunity to introduce wine from Crimea to Italians who have a very long tradition of wine making and other Europeans who were there for the wine festival, um, French and, you know, various other. And others who may not have the sanctions. Yeah, exactly. And but you, so you had an opportunity to build a bridge where people go like, oh, this is a great wine. You know, if they really like the wine, eventually they can they can put pressure on the government to try to like alleviate the problems. I mean, Russia's I'm sure interested in selling it or or Crimea, uh, which is I guess part of Russia now, kind of. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's, um, no, it's Russia. Yeah, like but, I, uh, I don't think it was like those places in Georgia where they're break off republics. I understand. Well, it's, it was its own place for a little while. And but they avoided to join Russia. Yeah, yeah. Like they were right. just like, oh yeah, we're going to Russia. Right. So. Whatever the deal is, uh, they had an opportunity to yeah. build a trade relation and like a relation that didn't revolve around like this kind of like warmongery, like spook tactics where yeah. like, oh, like Putin bought Facebook ads and has destroyed the American democracy. Meanwhile, like America twice started to coup in Ukraine. Twice. Twice started to coup in Ukraine. Yeah. Put Yeltsin in power, yeah. has openly admitted to interfering 80 times in elections right. because it was for the people's good. Right. And then recently, like within like the last eight years, was caught hacking the phones of uh, Angela Merkel. Angela Merkel and yeah. other uh, other German uh, party leadership. And so, like, it's like incredibly hypocritical. But on But that aside, it's that. This is a really great opportunity to share something. Like people who get drunk sometimes fight and all that sort of stuff. But it's like I, I don't really see a lot of like violence stuff at a wine show. And even if I saw some violent, it's like some drunk guy who's like, "Get out of my way! Don't look at my girl." It's not like I've just you know bombed your city and killed seven thousand people. Yeah, and that that's the thing is like it's an opportunity. And this is this is like the protectionist thing that Trump's doing. That's mm-hmm. kind of like what I want to mm-hmm. talk about is this idea that like. Oh, like, well, they might be able, like, did they really arrest him because it violated the sanctions? Or is it, like, really just kind of putting pressure against Russian competitors, like, because they could make wine cheaper in Crimea because the Russian ruble is very weak compared to the EU currency, which should be dog crap cheap because the EU is so in debt. I mean, same with the dollar, but, like. Well, I'm sure that, I'm sure Russia is in debt, too, but. Way less. Russia has way, way, like, one of the things. Putin did was really drive down the Russian debt. Now they did say they were willing to issue a lot more debt since the you know oil is tanked. Mm. But that's kind of the thing is like here they are, and that's like you know Georgia has like how many like different varieties of wine like just it's like one of the original places where grapes are from, and and they've got hundreds of varietals of wine in a country the size of like Montana. Like it's or it's not even that large. I don't believe. No, it's tiny. Yeah, but like that's the thing is like they this concept that oh no 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 
like th- these people can't be allowed to do what they're doing stuff like that it's just like i don't i don't get where people like get off on stopping somebody from com- like commerce like this mm. is the thing that like I, I i never understand people who are like oh businesses are the worst thing ever right and it's like okay have you seen any photos from hiroshima Right. That wasn't a weapon built by General Dynamics yeah. or whatever big conglomerate you want to make. That was literally the U.S. government put that together, came up with all the scientists, put all the parts together, and then did those things. Mm-hmm. And these are the people who are supposed to be in charge of everything. Like, oh, they're, they're, they're more humane. Well, there was yeah. a humane idea with a nuclear weapon where, like, oh, if we can destroy one city with one bomb and we don't have to invade and kill everybody right. in this long, hard fight, fight, yeah, okay. If we were fighting like aliens that were trying to invade and like gonna destroy the earth, okay, maybe, yeah. maybe that makes sense. But, but otherwise, yeah. like you didn't have to go to war with Japan to begin with, right? Well, yes, they were doing do the, awful, but, awful but I mean, things. Like, but like, yeah, they, but also you go prior to that is that like the United States again, quoting Ron Paul, like sanctions are an act of war, and yeah. the United States was actively well, trying like, to blockade a lot of the Japanese trade routes. Well, and, and, and the U.S., because they were so pissed off that they couldn't ruin China like the British, yeah. and I forget, the other Europeans right. were doing, rolled into Japan with a fleet and said, mm-hmm. yeah, you're opening up for trade. Right. And then we wonder why they industrialized so fast and yeah. were like, yeah, we're going to make sure that never happens to us again. Right. Well, and then, and then in addition to that, there's there's evidence, and I don't, I'm not a historian, so I can't really go into this a lot. That Hirohito and some of the other government officials asked for terms. They, no, they did, and that, and I guess the United States government said there are no terms, unconditional surrender. But then when they dropped the bombs twice, the two nuclear bombs, they gave them basically the terms that the Japanese were like, these are acceptable to us. Well, so what they did, so what ended up happening is um, the Japanese government presented terms. And they were essentially that the emperor remains emperor and everything like that. And the U.S. said, no, you have to unconditionally surrender, which theoretically the Japanese could have done at that point and stopped all bloodshed. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying they should or shouldn't have. Well, and they're, but that's, I mean, they're equally yeah. evil. They're a government well, as well. Well, and, and, you know, they unit 734 yeah. and all the other right, atrocities yeah. they did in China. But, you know, the U.S. did terrible things to its own right. citizenry. But the U.S. drops the two nuclear weapons. And then this is kind of a Trump negotiating tactic. Right. I want you to submit yeah. unconditionally. But then I'm going to give you all these good terms. We're right. going to make you our best, our best friends. Like, yeah. you just got to understand that, like, the U.S. isn't going to go and be like, yeah, we're going to dismantle your country. Like, I mean, you could look at the terms that the United States has given every yeah. time they beat an army, and the terms have always been better right. than... Although, I mean, though granted, at the time, the United States kind of rolled over on the terms given to Germany in World War One, and the Japanese could have gone like, oh, crap, like, we could get terms like that. Well, yeah, well, that's the thing is the Japanese, well, that was the difference was in the yeah. World War One terms, the right. U.S. was not in charge no, of making yeah. the terms, even though we had the largest army in the, yeah. like, we had, we had the ability to just be like, no, yeah, Britain, we own your loans, France, right. we own your loans, you're going to make the terms. Right. If Wilson had been better person, mm-hmm. he could have stopped World War Two. Right. But he wasn't. He was terrible, and he got us in World well, War One. He could have stopped it in two things. He could have not entered World War One. He then... could have also stopped World War One. Right. Like he could have just rolled up with a U.S. Army mm-hmm. and just said, "We're visiting the front, and good luck." And then just gotten in the way. It's like what Trump could do today if he wanted to fly to North Korea and just yeah. be like, "I'm landing in Pyongyang in 24 hours. Right. Be ready. Like, yeah. and we're going to talk. Yeah. And then he could fly to Syria and be like, "I'm landing in." Damascus in right. 24 hours prepared to yeah. talk like literally could just right. roll up and be like we're gonna talk 
Let's figure it out. Yeah. yeah. Like, we're going to make this work. But, yeah. but I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot of other things he's going too, on. He's too I busy guess. fighting Amazon. Right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> this concept that, like, I understand it's terrible that somebody loses their job right. to competition that they can't control. Like, right. it, it stinks to lose one's job. Right. But we lost the ability to have a solid dollar, which would have allowed everybody to have been much better off. Like, what are yeah. the studies, like, with the pro- productivity increases, we should only be working two hours a week? Oh, yeah. And then yeah. people are like, oh, with the future robots, like, we're going to get to do this, but we're going to have to give everybody a universal income. Well, had you not gone off the gold standard yeah. and had technology progressed the same way which it may not have you know right. it, it may legitimately not have we don't know yeah but we would have all just had to work two hours a week and been okay anyway and it would have just been like yeah i'm a painter and a carpenter and done all these right. fun things and not have to slave away and like yeah like there's well, it's because so much like the again as ron paul says the hidden tax is yeah. is the inflation like there should there should be Deflation. deflationary forces that allow people to afford a lot more than they can and that and was the i was really getting depressed uh, not depressed because you know me like mm-hmm. i'm pretty much impossible to be depressed because <laughs> right. i just don't i don't function that way like i don't yeah. have enough memory for it right essentially but like tom woods like really kind of drove me out of this like funk at one point where he was like people are like oh tom why aren't you depressed all the time because he's like because i see a deflationary force of the internet essentially outstripping the government's ability to control it yeah and then basically wiping out the government's ability to control things by just changing this game completely well that's that's kind of always been my opinion is that so like and actually we played it in an earlier episode when uh, walter block talked about uh about how he doesn't think that we'll outgrow uh or he doesn't think that we'll achieve anarchy in our time and and i've been thinking about that a lot lately and the and I think he might be correct, but I think what he might be wrong on is the effect that the internet is going to have. And and what I've always thought is that I don't I don't think there has to be like an anarchist revolution or anything like that. I think it's just going to become at some point, and it may even be like a tipping point where it's just like, okay, the government's irrelevant now. Yeah, and that's and and, and you know that's my, been my thought for a very yeah. long time. Right. Um, very dystopian style, but like that's where my concern is. It's not going to happen here. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen in like um, Mali and like these other African nations mm-hmm. where basically people are going to be going from dirt farmers yeah. to having an iPhone 10 right. in three years. Yeah. Like they, their government will just not matter yeah. because the government will never have been able to insert itself in their lives because like there's 300 miles of paved road, but everybody has a cell phone. Right. And everybody has a cell phone as powerful as an iPhone 10. Yeah. And even that's five years from now. An sure. iPhone 10 is like, you can pretty much run, a, you can't run a million dollar company. Mm-hmm. You could probably run a million dollar company off an iPhone 10 or Galaxy, Galaxy S9. You couldn't run a billion dollar mm-hmm. company off of it right now, but like with dissociative mm-hmm. networks and stuff like that. Oh, and, and like, you can, and you can always run Bitcoin on them. You yeah. Can, like, you can, or like, even if you don't want to use Bitcoin, you can do paypal and use american currency if or whatever stable currency there is and do it from your phone yeah. in mali or the sudan or wherever you are and and per capita i mean like that one of the things that people always are always like oh you're an anarchist move to somalia or whatever and it's like well i mean if you compare somalia now to when it had the government in 1994 it is significantly better off yeah and it granted and Tom Woods makes this point all the time where it's like you can't compare a country like Somalia to the United States becoming an anarchist because Somalia was never nice. Yeah. It's and, like, oh, we took a crap hole and then killed the biggest dick yeah. in it 
and then wondered why a bunch of other people became a bunch of dicks, but right. a bunch of little people had no problem. Yeah, exactly. And and so like per capita, their their cell phone ownership is very high. They there's a lot of people making a ton of money off of cellular service. Yeah. Um. It, well, relatively speaking, a lot of money. Like for their country, it's it's pretty good. Yeah, you're living um, a good life. Yeah, like they're they're doing much better. I mean, granted, there's still a lot of piracy. There's still a lot of drug use. Um. But it's you know a shithole. Like, well, I mean, that's and thing. it's not, and it's still a shithole. The United States has a lot of drug use. Yeah, the United States before streaming services, yeah. piracy was rampant. Mm-hmm. It was intellectual privacy, but or piracy, privacy would be mm-hmm. nice, but piracy. Um, but like the thing is, like, oh yeah, like they're stealing goods. Yeah, because they yeah. don't have any goods. Yeah, you're stealing all the music you can, right. And not listening to it. It's not like you stole an, your favorite Beatles album. Yeah. That they wouldn't put on digital, right? And you could only buy on tape. Like, wouldn't wasn't even on a CD. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, like, like you and I both it, had like terabytes and terabytes of stuff that we ripped. Yeah. And that, then like, I'm like, I don't think I've seen most of the stuff that I had. Yeah, I, I haven't. I didn't see most of the stuff I had. I recently got the computer functioning again that had all of that, and yeah. I went through it, and I was just like, why? Yeah. Like, why did I take all there, this? There are some things where I'm like, yeah, I couldn't get the DVD, yeah. like, or I couldn't get a good quality DVD copy of it. And I couldn't get one now. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I kind of want to keep this. But there are a couple of things like, because like we have Netflix and for a while we were completely a Netflix family. Mm-hmm. And then we had Prime for a year before we realized the TV app on Prime actually functioned correctly. Yeah, and it was, it was much good. easier to yeah. find the free stuff now. Yeah. 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 And, it used to be like a pain in the butt yeah. to find the free stuff. And then yeah. with my daughter, we've got Hulu because like Curious George and a couple other shows she likes mm-hmm. are on there. But like. Hulu's not great because of just some weird setup. It's got the X Files. <laughs> it's got a lot of stuff, but like, yeah. you know, you can go on there and like, there's a really good movie I like called Four Lions, which is this British dark humor Islamic terrorist movie that came out years ago. Okay, it's awesome, okay. but it's on Hulu, and it like, if you haven't seen it, like, I recommend. I've recommended okay. it to you before. Okay, definitely you got to watch it. But, I got Hulu because yeah. of the new episodes of X Files. So. Yeah, but it, it's one and of actually, those, and I've been watching Roseanne. You should watch the Dirk Gently, I the BBC one, oh, the, oh, the BBC the America. One. Yeah, the, yeah. Who's who is in it now? Uh, it's Elijah Wood as the made-up assistant who okay. wasn't in the books, and then Dirk Gently is a, a Brit guy that I, I'm. Okay. He's yeah, I, famous, I wish, but I wish not they, famous. Yeah, I wish they know? had continued Dirk Gently the BBC version. Yeah, the BBC it was one is so funny. Like I just wish they would bring back more epi- like just do more episodes randomly, kind of yeah. like the Detectorist. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Every couple of years, just make some more. Makes more detect. Yeah, yeah. The Detectorist is great too. Yeah, yeah exactly. But show. like. You know, we have these three streaming stuff, and I'm finding, like, animes that I wanted to watch again in Japanese, yeah. like, uncut. So that was always a big – one of the big things I stole was that I couldn't get any of the anime uh, in – not in English. Yeah. Like, it was all – and I and the English dub – at least when you and I were younger, like, the English dub was terrible. Well, that's the and, thing is, like, it, anime hit that peak. Yeah. And at that peak, it wasn't being licensed right away upon release. Now it's all being licensed. So long for a long time, a lot of the stuff I stole and like what most of my collection was was anime. That when I took it, mm-hmm. it was not licensed in the states, mm. and it was fan subbed. It's not like they took somebody else's subs and put them on there. Yeah. Now, like everything is like has a release deal to get to the United States right. for some streaming platform, which makes complete sense. Yeah. But most of it's garbage that I don't want to watch. Yeah. Well, I, probably not garbage. Just, I'm not interested. Yeah, it's just like it's, it's kind of it's a it's from a time in our life that. Well, and that's the thing is it's not it's not like it's Trigun. Like, yeah, there are busty girls in Trigun and stuff right. like that, but like they're not the focus of the series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like Cowboy Bebop, like yes, there are episodes that focus on the main character that is a busty female. Right. But it's not teenage girl thing, and like yeah, that's most of the animes that come out, at least that 
like seem popular. I'm like, I don't feel comfortable right. watching this with my wife, even if it's funny and it's like lighthearted, because mm-hmm. like the drawing style is just somewhat just too erotic sexual, yeah. feeling. And I'm like, I'm not like I, maybe that wasn't even their intention. That's just the only way they could get it greenlit. Like they're like, oh, that's the only way yeah. like we can get this greenlit. I'm like, that's fine. Still don't really want to watch it right. because of yeah. that. I'm like, yeah, ah. yeah I mean, I, I guess I get that. With that. Yeah, it's to me that's just kind of part of the style. But well, this thing is like I, I didn't watch a lot of that anime. Sure, like I watched like a you know stuff well, Bleach. That had Bleach. It. The yeah. what's her name from Bleach was very busty, and they they talked about that a lot. Or that little yeah. that little lion. What was his name again? The, uh, I forget. Uh, yeah, yeah. He was always like really into that, <laughs> and. Uh, but like a lot of them had that, and like some of the weirder ones that I liked were very sexual, or like very, they were very sexual, but they were like in like the way that like apparently like in Japanese culture they have a lot of sexual dysfunction, mm-hmm. and so I found that very fascinating. So like the one that I've always recommended, I don't know if you ever watched it, was uh, it's on Hulu. The, Welcome to the NHK is on mm-hmm. Hulu. Oh really? Okay, yeah. wow. I gotta see if it's I've gotta see if it's subbed or dubbed. Okay, but I intend to watch yeah. it. Yeah, and that also has really good music in it mm-hmm. too. But uh, that one was did deal with a lot of sexuality, sexual topics, but it was more like... Uh, it's like a 20-year-old conversation about a sexual co- yeah, topic. Yeah, kind of. It was a lot of, yeah, a lot of that. And it was a lot of like... Uh, stuff that i didn't realize were problems in japan that, like so like the, like the issues of like pedophilia being so common there like mm-hmm. well relative or at least more out in the open i don't well, know i mean cons- age of consent is 13 so. that's true yeah so like a lot of that type of stuff a lot of like the uh what do they call etchy like what like just a really kind of ichi. Wee, yeah ichi like the we- kind of weird sexual stuff and well i mean like, there's like different classes of anime and yeah. they like for and what, they had like the, what the sexual that yeah. they were working on in, the, in it and um, like just very strange things like that, but also dealt a lot with drug use. And then like the main character is a, a hikikimori, which that is apparently incredibly prominent there where they've mm-hmm. got these young people who have panic attacks or mental breakdowns or whatever. But because if they go into society. Yeah, if they go into society. But like so but because of the way their society is set up, a lot of people that age are subsidized by their parents. Mm-hmm. And so they live uh, like a secluded, isolated life in an apartment in Tokyo or wherever, never leave. Yeah. And their parents just continue to send them money, but it's also because they're their only child and their parents were old when they had them and they have no chance of having another kid. And their and grandparents sent that, yeah, the grandparents, like, they, I think there's a good inheritance system in Japan. Yeah. Right. So, like, yeah, I mean, it's a it's, very, very interesting, like, there's a lot of weird issues yeah. in Japan that, like, and this, this particular one, covers a lot of that and i just found it incredibly fascinating and then the story itself was just interesting yeah also one of the main characters was a uh christian missionary <laughs> which was like that's a very interesting mm-hmm. aspect of that's going on in japan where it's like here it's kind of people know what christianity is for the most part but like the the perspective of it in japan is like what is this weird cult <laughs> and uh well, they were well, treated and, and like actually, that this, and historically for a right. long time. Well, and like Samurai Champloo goes over that where yeah. where they have this one where they, they get to a place and there's just like crucified people. Mm-hmm. And it's like because the shoguns were like, oh, you like Jesus? How do you like being like Jesus? And they crucified like hundreds and hundreds of people. Yeah, and they these people were willing. Like, yeah, and they were like, okay. Very, yeah, yeah, like very willing for that. But yeah, that's um, – there's the movie with uh, not the current Spider-Man but the one back Spider-Man. Mm. Um, Garfield. Yeah, Garfield. A- Andrew Garfield. Yeah. 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 So he, there's a, uh, like, doubt or silence or something like that. It's a movie. And, like, I don't think it was Clint Eastwood, but it's somebody, it's mm-hmm. Martin Scorsese, like, about Christian missionaries in Japan. Okay. 
in like Samurai Champloo time, which is like the eighteen yeah the Edo period yeah. yeah. So like in the 1800s, right. like, and I really want to watch it. Well, it's but, a very interesting period because it's like the end of like Japanese feudalism and the beginning of like the modern era of feudalism of, of like modern feudalism. But it's yeah. like a it's a weird transition. Yeah, and it's like guns suddenly like real guns yeah. show up. Right, like they had guns for a long time, but they were very very like 1600 bre- yeah. breech loading like crazy guns yeah. and then like the u.s rolls in with like actual like, like machine guns well like, well they, at the time they, gatling guns well i don't know i don't think they had gatling guns oh. i don't know if they had Gatling. Yeah. Well, they had remember. them like in that movie uh, last samurai with yeah. Tom cruise where they where the samurais at the end of the movie just are like okay this is our last stand or whatever and the the modern Japanese guy is like, I don't want to open up fire on these guys. They're coming at us with swords. And the American general is like, just do it. And they just are like, and they just wipe them all out. And, and like, and he's, you know, the Japanese dude's like crying. He's like, these are heroes like of the Shogunate. Now, granted, if you've read the book Shogun, really rough people. <laughs> well, I mean, like Japanese society was yeah, very rough. Yeah, very, well, I mean, history is brutal. Yeah. And that's what, yeah. one of those things that, and like. that's one of those things we romanticize the West and the U.S. But, yeah. like, yeah, it, no, it, it's like brutal. I, I should take it back. History is yeah. brutal. Yeah. So, but that, so, but that's, that's kind of the thing is, like, you know, I don't commit piracy anymore. Yeah. Like, I got caught too many times and it just the quality of the things that I were getting yeah. had gone down so much. And it became and the, so cheap to stream. Well, like not only did it become so cheap to stream, there it's not like outside of Marvel movies, and like, yeah, you can count DC, you co- count comic book movies yeah. in there. There's not a lot of movies where it's like the production budget is such that I, or like the movie is so good that I want to see it. Right. There's a lot of movies where I'm like, if I see it, okay. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, like Deadpool was great. Yeah. And I'll go see Deadpool too in theaters right but i've disliked both of the new mainline star wars movies yeah that's right you did to the point where like the last one just wasn't even enjoyable to see in theaters like Mm. i'm just gonna watch the rest of them at home okay and if i like you know if i watch them at home and i i really regret not seeing them yeah they will put them in theaters again at some point and i'll see them then but the last one was just so bad for my aesthetic choices right like it wasn't even like I like when you think about like a new hope, mm-hmm. I think of the score. And when you think yeah. of like Empire and Return, it's the score that really drives those movies for me. Like that I don't remember the music at all. Yeah. In the so most it, recent it's, one. That's very funny to me because like But you know, I'm like music yeah. deaf. Well, but when like Victoria and I uh when when we got together I, I had we watched the Star Wars movies together. Mm-hmm. Like and starting with the original or with the chronological oldest ones, yeah. which are the prequels or whatever and then going on to a new hope and when we watched a new hope i was like it's still good i was like i forgot how like it's dated, not dated this is but that's the thing is like the space battles are fun yeah and the space battles are still good right but like when you watch like the prequels and mm-hmm. you watch the actual lightsaber duels yeah like anybody who can do like flipping and crap like that like that's really what like if like if you could use the force that's what lightsaber combat would be right like this you know form seven where you're yeah. like like all this weird stuff that they do and then you like watch like Luke fighting Darth Vader who's supposed to be one of the best duelists right. ever and it's like bzz, and it bzz. and it's you know like I understand it's 20 years later yeah, he doesn't right. really have a lot of people to duel you right. know that sort of thing and he's robot but like they had droid like the battle droids and then like yeah. um Darth, uh, the the general, the wisp, 
Oh, uh, yeah, uh, Count uh, General Grievous. Yeah, Grievous. Yeah, yeah. And, like, Vader is some, like, hulking animatron. Right. Like, technology has gone so bad. Right. But he's more human than he is robot, technically. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's weird, yeah. It, they retconned themselves very badly in it. And the new ones are so of this time. And, like, mm-hmm. I'm sure you could go back and see a bunch of 70s crap in them in the first ones. But it's not as heavy. It's not as heavy-handed, mm-hmm. at least from my eyes. So, like, I'm sure my daughter's going to love all of them, and I'm just going to be yeah. forced to watch them repeatedly. But it, it just doesn't... Well, they're still good. And, like, so the... And and the prequels, as much as everybody hates them, I really like the prequels. Because... The, the second one's not great, but it's... The second but, one is rough. It, but when you, if you fast-forward through, like, the romance stuff, there's actually a lot of good parts in well, it. Well, the space battles... Yeah, the space outside battles of the are sound, good. Yeah. Because there's no sound in space. Right. But the space well, battles, yeah, yeah. The space yeah, battles are awesome. Alice. The lightsaber duel, lightsaber combat is yeah. great. Like even the romance stuff, it's not great. Yeah, but it's cheesy. For a it's kids like movie. Yeah, it's a kids movie exactly, and that's kind of one of those things that the, the, w- but with the those... new two aren't kids movies. No, they're not. And like, and, it, and especially not Rogue One. That's like, well, I don't know what yeah. that rating was, but PG thirteen. Oh, was it PG thirteen? Yeah. That was very violent. Yeah, I didn't see that one. I left five minutes into yeah, that's it. That's right. I remember. Yeah. Not by choice. Not yeah. by choice. Right. And then I read the plot, and I was just like, it's it would have been nice good. to see. Yeah. But that, that's the thing is like. We were in the I- mm. full IMAX yeah. at the Air and Space Center IMAX. Like, it was the IMAX to see it at. And I didn't get to see that experience. And when I read the plot, I'm like, yeah, I don't really care. Mm-hmm. Like, if Vader is on you the entire time and if Vader is what Vader is supposed to be, it just literally crushed one uh, part of your yeah, engine. I mean, in, one of, in one of the video games, it's canon. Um, d- uh, Starkiller. Starkiller, yeah. He, like, Pulls lifts an Imperial it, Star yeah, Destroyer out of... And it's so freaking cool when he does it. Out of space, yeah. Yeah, and he's just like... And he's Invader kills him. Yeah. Or, well, it depends on how you interpret the game. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, like, like, that was, like... Yeah, and, like, in the comics, too, like, Vader's so freaking cool in the comics. Like, in this one point, like, he's he's fighting and he realizes that he doesn't have the option to um, win the space battle unless he destroys his ship. So what he does is he just... He rams his ship into it, ejects... And uses the force to contain air around him. And he's like, I, he, and like he's going through the, like his thought process. He's like, my suit will allow me to uh, use only a minimal amount of air for a certain amount of time. So all I have to do is maintain pressure. And he uses the force to like hold the air around him and then float himself back to a Star Destroyer. Which when you're talking about space distances, like yeah. that's a long distance. It can be. I mean, like so, it might not be. But, but like, yeah, that, yeah. no, that explains what Leia did. It, you know, like, well, the, although this comic was like the second issue of the Vader comic series, which came out two years ago. So mm-hmm. I don't know if they were planning on explaining the Leia thing that way, or if if they were just, when the guy made it, he was like, well, let's just go ahead and say what that Leia did this, or... I, I'm not I, sure. It doesn't matter, but like... Yeah. But yeah, that, that's kind of the thing for me. It's like, there is no movie that I have to see in theaters, yeah. but there are some movies where like I would like to see them in theaters. Right. Like the new Wes Anderson, Isle of Dogs movie, mm-hmm. like it's a... Oh, actually, that looks really good. Yeah. yeah. But like also, we've got to go see Death of Stalin, because yeah. Stalin was a bastard and oh, like yeah. and every tambor is supposed to be and, and, it's hilarious and actually so. michael malice recommends that he yeah. says it was a great movie like go see it yeah i mean it looks amazing and then it's it's gonna and it's, be and it's got malfoy's know, dad yeah in it, i mean so. well it's got the dad from the rest of development oh that's right he's in it yeah. too yeah and also uh, oh that is malfoy's dad yeah, yeah. Malfoy's dad's in it and uh <laughs> the dad from arrested development's in it and also um steve buscemi buscemi is in it yeah like so it's got a really good cast mm-hmm. and uh who's steve buscemi in it he's uh christ check I, or not Christchurch. Uh, that's from X Files. <laughs> uh, it, it's uh, Khrushchev. 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 I, it, he 
If the, the guy who like bangs his shoe on the thing yeah, and says sure. like, uh, "We will bury you. We will bury you." Yeah, that's like and it's, we're going off on these weird tangents tonight. But like that's like going back to the Soviet Union or whatever when the Soviet Union collapsed and we realized that the what we were so afraid of was a country that couldn't feed itself. But that's the thing is like I don't. And there's no way the, the CIA was... couldn't know that. Or, or any any of the intelligence agencies. But in the that's United the States. thing is, like, I don't understand how the U.S. citizenry didn't know that. Yeah. Because we knew about some, like, and this might be hindsight, but like, I from the youngest age mm-hmm. was aware that the Soviet Union was a like a dinosaur and was failing, right. like the entire time. Like, and I, you know, maybe it's because I watched the History Channel repeatedly, and these right. were like, I was maybe watching like revelations or something like that yeah. like that i didn't realize were like brand new but like i always was under the impression it's like yeah they were crap well i mean like talking to my dad and my mom about it is like my dad was like we weren't sure at the time we thought that uh we thought maybe they would outpace us and that like they would release and he said like they would report on the news so they would release these production numbers and stuff like that and like we would be like wow like their their military is huge and they've got all these nuclear bombs and like but they had like they did have all those numbers, but it was like tanks that couldn't go in reverse, and it was like nuclear silos that couldn't open. Now, granted, you don't really need that many nuclear silos to open to make a difference. But well, I guess like when you live through stat. So this is the thing that like I I really so like did you watch F is for Family? Uh, I watched the first season, which was great. Yeah, second season is awesome too. But like that's kind of the like the concept of stagflation that mm-hmm. I don't think people really truly comprehend if you mm-hmm. didn't live through the seventies, like in the, that that part of the 70s where like it happened like the u.s was really really hurting Mm -hmm. and like that's around the corner like there's no getting out of it like coming and like people are like oh like they used to have to ration gasoline like yeah no logical concept on why we would need to do that outside of like the fact that we chose to hamstring ourselves in these stupid ways right but like Just this concept that, like, yeah, the U.S. at one point had these problems, but then it's like, do you guys not realize in the 20s, like, it was known millions of people died in the Soviet Union? Like, during the, like, you know, the... When it was reported in the United States, but, you know, but actually during that time, like, when... Well, this was after the Holodomor, but, like... Yeah, I can never when, pronounce that Yeah, right. when... Uh, yeah, I mean, like, Stalin, like, seized all of the food from Ukraine. And then there was this... There's a very common practice back then in m- many countries, not just Ukraine, where widows and... Um, widows and, like, poor mothers and stuff would go after the threshers, and they would... And this actually, there's a story of this in the Bible. This is a tradition that goes back thousands of years where widows and, and older women and whatever can go into the fields after the threshers go through, and they can pick up the grains... Uh, yeah, pick wheat, up what's the, what's left. What's yeah, n- not economically viable. Right. So, and they're allowed to do that. Stalin said that if you do that and you keep it and don't turn it into the cities, then you're a wrecker and you will be executed along with your family. Yeah, and this is like a thousand year old, more than a thousand year old tradition. Uh, <laughs> Four that, thousand, yeah, year for. Old widows and and mothers who are or single mothers or whatever to sustain their family that and this is i think one of the most sinister things about leftism in general or like the well the marxists in this case but like the left thing is where they're like we are going to overturn thousands of years of tradition yeah and not replace it with anything that is viable yeah and it that's the thing is like and it's and it's not like they're going like look we're turning it in to this area, and here's your allotment. But right. like, this is like literally everything. All the cards yeah. are on the table. Like, it would be different if it was like 40 people, and they're like, "Look, we have to make it through the next three years." Yeah, no, it's 12 and, million people. Yeah, and it like that, died. Yeah, and that's the thing is like, it's it's not like I was saying, it's not like it's 40 people going like, yeah. "We've got to make it through the right. next three years." 
The ship is, you know, we know the ship is on the way. We're in constant contact with the ship with more right. food. We know it's going to happen. Yeah. We just have to make it through this. This was just, this was yeah. life now. Well, and a lot of it too, this is what makes it to me even more sinister is that a lot of it, the, the food was sent to the cities, but a lot of it was sold on the open market. And the yeah. reason it was sold on the international market was because meanwhile, in the United States, FDR was burning wheat. Yeah. To keep the wheat prices high. So wheat prices in the United States were high and the international market as a result was also high. And meanwhile, 12 million people in the Ukraine are starving to death because of economic policies from moron FDR, who, by the way, worshipped Stalin. And it's not like he, yeah, he wasn't trying, it's not like he was trying to break Stalin. No. And, and that's yeah. the thing is like, this is not the first time yeah. the Soviets had done something completely bananas that was reported on. In the 20s, the 30s, mm-hmm. the 40s, all of this crap was reported on. It yep. wasn't until like the late, the I mean, like maybe the mid 30s on where like they finally locked down the yeah. media escapism. Right. But like this, all this crap was known. And like right. people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We had some bad years in the US. Yeah. The right. depression was terrible. Sure. But totally government caused and totally oh, yeah. government extended. But then like stagflation, people were like, we're never going to recover. It's like. You're, you're never going to recover idiot. from like. A world where you have a three-bedroom, two-bathroom house, or three-bedroom house with two bathrooms, yeah. one car, you can't get gas one day, okay? Like, you know, yeah. but like, it's not like you're starving. Like, it, and, and like, you granted, know, if, like, now- you know, if your government had let the, you know, had uh, let the Japanese bring in their cars, yeah. we could all be driving 300 mile to the gallon cars right. by now because yeah. the U.S. companies would have had to compete sure. when we were, oh, what, the most economically viable mm-hmm. country in the world and we had the most best engineers in the world? Oh, you mean when we could have figured this crap right. out? Yeah. Like, oh. Or, or like compete. now, like where it's like we, we are coming up to a point. Like, and, and although if anybody know, has known me for any amount of time, I've been saying we're going to have an economic collapse for the last 10 <laughs> years. And since the last one, <laughs> since the last one, I'm like, it's coming, it's coming. <laughs> but, and you know, I, I, it's, I can't predict it. Nobody can predict it, but we know from Austrian business cycle theory that it's we going to happen. We just know from life. Yeah. And just from life, it's every 10, 10 to 15 years, there's another collapse and, or another crash. And each one is subsequent, subsequently larger than the previous one. Yes. Now they've taken a lot of stoppers out. So they are able to do stuff now that like supposedly helps it, but you're fooling yourself if you think we recovered from 2008. Well, it's like, it's seriously, it, it's like pushing a drunk guy yeah. to be like, oh, he didn't beat up that poor homeless woman. And like, you had no idea what he was going to do. Mm-hmm. You just shoved him down for no reason. Like, yeah. that, and then and then poured more wine into his mouth. Yeah, and so. then just gave him a bottle of Jack Daniels yeah. and was like, here you go. Here you go, just don't get up again. Like, right. that's, the, that's the thing that, like, I wish Trump was smarter. Yeah. But I don't know if he could have done what he's done so far, like getting elected if he was smarter. Because yeah. he could have just been like, come out and been like, yeah, we're going to audit the Fed, which, right. you know, I really don't think is going to do anything because I, I think they're going to hide yeah, I so I mean, much. it might prick the bubble. Yeah. This is this is kind of what always my hope is that... that all right. So let's yeah. let's end on what... Because I've never understood it. Yeah. And I, I just because I never looked it up because I wasn't sure. a big Ron Paul guy. But you tell me what you hope and then we'll go back to what we think the price of the wine is. Okay. And I'll give you the cool statistics and stuff like that. So always my hope was that for Trump... And, and I never really expected this to happen because I, I never had a high opinion of him. I, I liked him over Hillary because of his oh, yes. foreign policy rhetoric, but his rhetoric has kind of fallen flat at this point. Although, granted, we have not gone to any additional yeah, any additional war. So that might be. I mean, that it's hard to say what would have happened. I think that Hillary probably would have been in multiple more wars already, but it's hard to say. I don't know. Yeah, and so I can't really say versus vis-a-vis whatever. But like, 
at the time, you know, Trump was saying like, there's, they lied us into war. And like the way that it sounded to me was that he was like, they lied us into these wars, we're leaving. And, you know, and then recently he had the whole Syria thing where he was like, they lied us in this. And he also, one of the things that he was saying that was made me slightly hopeful and granted, I didn't vote for him. Um, I voted for Mary Ruert, who has a new book coming out, by the way. Yes. Um, but, uh, Death by regulation. Death by regulation. Yep. She's actually been on three three podcasts to to uh, talk about it. Tom Woods, Lines of Liberty, and uh, Ron Paul, mm-hmm. uh, or the Ron Paul Liberty Report, and uh, just really really interesting lady. Very. Anyways, she's who I think should be president. But uh, the um, one of the things that he kept talking about was like when people were like, "Well, the economy is doing really well. Look at the stock market." And he's like, "It's a big fat bubble. This is the biggest bubble I've ever seen. It's such a bubble." It's the biggest bubble. It's so bubbly. It's like a bubble on a car that's being washed by really hot, big-titted women. It's a super big bubble. <laughs> and and then as soon as he gets elected, he's like, look at the stock market. It's great. That's because of me. Yeah. And it's like, come on, dude. Like, What you should have done when you got into office is said, the stock market looks good. I think it's a nice bonus because of me, but we're still in a big, fat, ugly bubble. I'm, I'm wrong. I was not wrong about this. I insist that Janet Yellen put in her resignation immediately and that would have popped the bubble and it would have fucking sucked but it would have lasted two years and he and well it depends on what they would have done but yeah. like if he got Yellen out but like if he put the same guy he put That's true. in you know now, it, it would it have been have bad been. yeah but but the, the the difference I think would be like granted I don't think we're ever going to escape the the monetary cycle because of just because the government in general well uh, well, I mean we will at some point but it's when the government becomes irrelevant irrelevant. it's when we stop using US currency when it's crypto or something like that so but I think that's when we'll escape the the monetary cycle but he could have pricked the bubble now gotten out of the bubble in time for gotten out of the bubble in time for his re-election because I think it's going to collapse toward the end of his uh of his four year campaign or maybe maybe in the third year or something like mm. that it'll it'll collapse although we've had a really bad rocky last two weeks in the stock market but it was the last month yeah so it's been kind of rocky but it, you know we're still like the Dow's still above twenty thousand or, or yeah I mean so. it's still like this insane number yeah like which it's, is is crazy I mean it's like it's like sixty times the valuation of the companies on yeah. on the Dow it's it's insane it's like it's this ridiculously high yeah like number the, the only one that like is still up there. Yeah. Apparently is Apple. Like Apple is still right. just crushing it. But like that's the thing is Apple's profit level is still yeah. just monstrous compared to the rest of the FANG stocks. Sure. Yeah. A- and, Alphabet's I mean, doing very yeah. well. Right. But like yeah, Apple I mean, it is, is just it's it, it monstrously profit. But if I think if he cared about re-election, which he seems to because he's putting together like a re-election campaign and all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. But like if he really cared that much about it, he should have pricked that bubble immediately or as soon as he possibly could and got a collapse to happen so that he could have benefited from the recovery. I don't think he would have lived it. I don't know. He might have. I, I No, that's the thing is like I think I think the thing that only thing that's keeping him alive, given the Seth Rich incident, mm-hmm. is the fact that he's got the generals on his side. Yeah, if he pricked the bubble, he couldn't spend the money right. on the, the generals. And I think they would just be like, okay. Can, and then yeah. they, they would walk away, but they would walk away innocently. They, yeah. they wouldn't they wouldn't be throwing him to the wolves. They would just be like, okay, you can't help us. Right. That's, you know, every president's been like that at some point. See you later. Mm-hmm. And then somebody would get him. Mm-hmm. And then that would be the end of this. And then it would be Pence. Right. But I think somebody would, I think Pence would just resign if Trump got assassinated. I don't think Pence would be yeah. would stick around. I think he's smarter than that. I think he would understand if they got to Trump, they'd get to him and he'd just be out. Mm-hmm. And that would make Paul Ryan president. Yeah, that's true. Which is terrifying. 
So on I, that I, note, I, honestly, I think Pence is terrifying. But <laughs> well, P- Pence is terrifying, but I think he's much smarter than anybody gives him credit for. I, I think for, so too. Because he he's not out there doing stuff. He's yeah. not biting himself. Right. He's just out there like doing nothing. He's right. Kind of being the vice president, which is yeah. You yeah. vote on ties in the Senate and do what the president tells you to do. Right. Because you're part of his government. Yeah. yeah. So you've we've had each had roughly half a bottle of uh, Pina's. Howell Mountain Cabernet Sauvignon from the Buckyard Vineyard, 2012 variety. The one they list on their website now is the 2013. So some of the stats I've got are 13, but we can extrapolate to 12. So my and grandfather was pres- uh, was a principal of a school called Buckeye Elementary. Ooh. So that's a tie into my family. Well, I mean, you know, Buckeye, yeah, I mean, there's that's a lot. Yeah. But so, uh, so my guess still, yeah. I'm going to say $40 tops. Forty dollars tops. Yeah, ninety one ninety nine. Really? Yes. Whoa! Wow! This is the most expensive <laughs> wine we've ever had. Wow! Well, you've had more expensive by the glass. By the glass, that's yes. true. Yeah. So but, this was like my price point was a hundred dollars. Okay. Because you spent about sixty, but I wasn't like yeah, trying yeah. to do more than that. Right. But I was like, because I'm only getting one. Yeah. Like I'll I'll try to. So you know, I saw some. There were. There weren't really like you know when you when you mm-hmm. go to a store yeah things are like if they're the hundred dollar price point they're ninety nine dollars right right like ninety nine ninety nine yeah. something like that sure the wine is not that way yeah. it was ninety one eighty seven sure. one hundred and six one fifteen one right. one twenty right. very little for a hundred and then like a lot of the stuff that was for a hundred was like. I just wasn't sure about but like somehow I settled on this yeah. one and I was like all right that's the price point well, so, I mean I, I'll say. Very good wine. Yeah, very, very good. Very good. Yeah. Um, $91? $91 good. I, I don't know. That's like it's it's a, that's a lot of money. I, I think maybe maybe if I bought it by the glass, I'd be okay with paying whatever it was by the glass. So what is that? 91 divided by five. So that's 1839. Maybe not. 98. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot of money. But this, I, I mean, honestly, for the listeners, if you guys ever really want to treat and you want to spend 90 bucks and you like cabs this is a great cab this yeah and this is very different yeah it is than every other yeah. cab and that was one of the reasons that was well you know one you know mm-hmm. like we've known each other for 10 years we yep. bought each other gifts three or four times tops right for specific birthday things so i yeah. was like you know the amount of money i don't mind spending sure. it but like the description was very different than any of the other cabs that I remember us doing. Like it was, I was just like, I'm interested in seeing what this tastes like. And I was interested in seeing you price it because yeah. like, I want it like, cause this truly, it's like, um, it's like the New Zealand one where sure. I was like, we're tasting stuff in it that we've never tasted before in Pinot's, mm-hmm. but it wasn't great. It right. was kind of like, like there. Okay. It's interesting. Yeah. But this was like, I, like I get like, you know, when you're like freak show is very different than this. Yeah. Oh, this very is, yeah. different. Freak Show yeah. has more of the stuff that this talks about and the total yeah. wine description. Right. Like loamy, minerally. Mm-hmm. Like that's really not there that I'm tasting. And I, it's like, is it blunted? Like, because I, you know, obviously I knew what the price was the entire sure. time. Yeah. But like, I'm like, is this blunted? Because like, like I'm like, I'm not, am I not spending enough? Yeah. Like, you know, like you get the, when you drink a $10 bottle of wine and then you drink a $30 bottle of wine, you can mm. taste more in the $30 sure. bottle of wine. But a person who drinks really does know their wines and isn't some bologna, right. like drinks a $30 bottle of wine and they're used to drinking a $160 bottle of wine, mm. they know the difference. Like you can taste the, the differences. 
this was so smooth. I'm like, did they just smooth it out? Like, yeah, like did I, mean, I yeah. did I get ripped off like for the the varietal taste? I so being the one who spent the money, discounting that this was for your birthday. Yeah. Like this was a good, very, very good, good yeah. bottle right. of wine in my opinion. And like, you know, cabs aren't my thing, uh, but like I wouldn't if it was 20, you know, like let's say it's on the menu for $22 a bottle, $22 a glass. About $120 to buy at a restaurant if you're buying the whole bottle. Okay. I would never choose to buy that. Sure. But if I was spending that amount of money now and I saw this, I would not hesitate if I saw, like, because they do four other cabs. Okay. And there's, so they have a couple others on their website that aren't their cab series. Mm -hmm. Um and their website's really weird for like expensive how expensive they are. Yeah. Like this is the most expensive cab that they they have at least in the the mm-hmm. when you go online to buy it. Yeah. Like this is the most expensive one they have, but they had a more expensive bottle of wine that was in a different series that I didn't understand. Got it. Cuz it's like one of those websites where like you have to click on the picture to get more information and it just shows the name, then you got to click on the bio and it then it's the right. product page. And it's like, why can't I hover over you? Just tell me what this is. Like, <laughs> right, right. Like you're. This is an expensive bottle of wine. Like, why, why isn't it there? So, so interesting, uh, very, interesting, very interesting. Yeah. Right? So, 2013 vintage um, Appalachian Howell Mountain. So they tell you that mm-hmm. composite, 100% uh, Cavaillon. Um, winemaker Anna Montesilli, or I'm not really sure how to pronounce that, but they actually tell you the harvest date. Oh, okay. And that's why I was so mad I couldn't find the product page for this because wow. I wanted to know the harvest date. Yeah. So the harvest date for the 2013 was between October 17th and October 25th wow, of 2013. Okay. Then they give you the bottle size, the alcohol by volume, the fact that at least on the 2013, it's 100% oak, French, 66% new, barrel aging 20 months. Okay. So like, so that was interesting because I I think that we've we've we now realize the flavors enough that when I smelled it, I did smell oak, but I was like, I don't think it's new oak because it doesn't have the butteriness, but it it smelled kind of like new oak. Yeah. So I was like, hmm, this is interesting. It had sort of like the fresh French bread kind of Mm -hmm. yeasty butteriness of new oak, but but when I tasted it, I didn't taste that. Like in the Cabernet Franc from uh, Green Hill Winery, yeah, you didn't have that one. I think I think I had that with Nate. Yes, okay. yes, yeah. And that one had this very buttery flavor. So, and when I smelled it, I was like, oh, he found that flavor. Like, it's, it, I smell it. But then when I taste it, I was like, oh, well, it doesn't have that flavor. So, what is it? Yeah. Like, very interesting. Yeah. The, I mean, this is one great, of those it's ones. A great, great wine. And honestly, like, it's a lot of money. And, and I, I don't think you and I make enough to spend $100 a week on a bottle of wine or no. whatever. But uh, for a treat, it's this is, this really is, great. This is one of those wines where, it's your anniversary. Yeah. You sure. just got that promotion that you were, you know, like mm-hmm. if for a celebratory wine, if you like, so if your normal wine budget's a hundred is $10, this is not, this is yeah. way, you know, this is your 20th anniversary wine. Right. You know, that if you're a cab person like this, you know, you won't go wrong. But like if you're, you know, normally mm-hmm. a $30, $40 bottle of wine person, $20, you know, if you can find the 20 mm-hmm. that you really like, but you're willing to spend 40, this is your, like, oh, yeah. it's our five year anniversary or like, you know, this is the, oh, I've got to impress this client. Sure. Like, yeah. This is a really, really good cab. Yeah, it, like, it's very good. I'm sure we'll do a write up on it because it's, it was super interesting and I very much appreciate it for my birthday. Yeah. And I also appreciate you being such a good friend. Oh, exactly. And that so. that's the thing. It's like, you got the two and I was just like, yeah. ah, there's <laughs> two different tastes. And I was yeah. just like, 
well, I won't, I won't do two because I didn't want to try to sure. like mimic the same right, thing. Right, but right. I was like, okay, because my original goal was when I went into the store, I was going to try to get a pass, like a kosher wine. Oh, okay. Yeah. That'd be and interesting. when yeah. I went to get a kosher wine, it just turned out to be more Chardonnays. Really? But okay. Interesting. I'll admit I was lazy. Yeah. I went to the farm fresh that was going out of business. They didn't have any kosher wines. Oh, yeah. At least any that I could tell. Well, they, they had that one section there. Well, that, that was the is, thing is it's kosher, but it was all white wines left. Yeah. And it was, yeah. they were wiped out. Yeah. But like I, because I'm not religious, yeah. was thinking, and like I understand kosher is not necessarily a religious thing, but like it sure. is, it has religious connotations. Like I was looking for a wine for Passover. Okay. Like that's the way my head was thinking. It was like sure. a special sacrament wine or something like that, or like an Easter wine, like right. something specifically religious sure. to try that experience. But like I realized that's really probably not a thing. That's just the way my mind works is like, oh, it's Easter. So you bust out the Easter wine to get all those oh, stupid right. suckers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's that's how I well, think is like. Especially I, and surprisingly, and I don't know if this is like to play into the stereotype or whatever, but like at the sale at Farm Brush, tons of Orthodox. Jews there yeah when like and they were all there buying like they were buying wine they were buying whatever discounted items were there and I was like is there a very large orthodox Jewish population here mm-hmm. or is. is this like confirmation of the stereotype that Jews bought good deals <laughs> <laughs> there's a large stereo- there is a large especially in Ghent the yeah, area okay. that, that was yeah, there is a, a I, I had no idea that yeah there was that there was a because like there was the one of the ladies in the wigs or whatever was there in front of us like arguing over the price of these sale items that she was buying <laughs> and and i was like victoria was with me and i think she was looking at some other items that were on sale but i was like i was like is this like did we like wind up in brooklyn or something like what's going <laughs> on here like this is weird but i had no idea like, yeah but and, so like you know not being intelligent as yeah. I am about certain things, like I thought kosher wine was going to be like a specific Israeli style oh, style okay. yeah. of wine. Okay. And it was just like Chardonnays, yeah. red blends, white blends. I was just like, oh, I think that you're like, an idiot. Yeah. For, for, a certain, <laughs> for a certain wine, I think that the way, like a lot, or for certain things that are kosher, as long as it meets all the dietary requirements, I think it just means it's blessed. Well, it, it means it was... My understanding is it means it was produced under the supervision of a rabbi yeah. that can certify that the kosher standards were maintained, right. and then it's blessed. That's yeah. my understanding. But in my head, I was thinking, like, I want to get something, like, because you're religious, I was like, well, yeah. we can get some, if I can get something special tor- toward the holiday. Now, right. we missed recording on that day anyway. Sure. But, like, I was thinking, like, that's kind of my thought process. Right. But then I was just like, well, no, I'll get his birthday wine, and then as when we said that we weren't going to record because like I yeah. kind of struck out on that. I was like, Oh, so my game will be, let's see how good we are. <laughs> right. We were off by $60. We were, I, I mean, I definitely was off by $60. Honestly though, what really brought me down that low was I just didn't think you'd spend that much on a bottle of wine. Well, and I was just like, there's just, there's no way that even for my birthday, Mason would never spend more but, than $40 for a that, bottle of wine. That was my thought process was, I was like, I don't want to hamstring the conversation yeah. by being like, and it's under two hundred dollars. Okay, because like at a at ninety one ninety nine, sure. when you tell somebody it's under hundred dollars, like what are you telling them? Yeah, and like I, I was just like, and that's kind of why I was like hinting, like there's some stuff in here mm-hmm. that is like you know the picking date, like on a yeah. high end bottle of wine, you can get all that information. Oh yeah, sure, like. On a $3,000 bottle of wine, you know all of that. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that the guy hadn't washed his third pinky in six weeks. Right. Like, yeah, you yeah. know this sort yeah. of stuff. <laughs> right. But, like, the wine, bottle of wines we're used to getting, it's like, yeah. 
ah, here's a website that somebody threw together with right. a third grader. Like, yeah, and yeah. this felt like that, but it felt like, oh, these guys only do cabs. And yeah. that in Napa Valley, and they consider themselves a secret in Napa Valley. Right. And I was so like, that hmm. see that was that was a throw off for me because I was like, well, if they if they mean they're a secret, it means that they're not well known. So maybe they're just like we're cheap wine. <laughs> <laughs> we're just making it. Yeah, yeah, we're just barely making it. So I was like, mm, I don't know. Like, but you know, this would be this is good enough that uh, at some point when we make it out to California to do these tours, I wouldn't mind going and seeing their wineries oh, yeah. and checking out their process because. Like, very good bottle of wine. Yes. Very good. And uh, I highly recommend it to anybody who has a price point of $91 or $92. Yeah. Um, Because that, what did you say? That was $18 a bottle? It was eighteen thirty-eight, dollars or it was $18.39. Or a, bo- uh, a glass, I mean. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you call so. it... Call it eighteen forty a glass. Yeah. So if you so. ever go out with your boss and they've got it on the tap and he's paying, get it. Because <laughs> I had a lot of like sixteen dollar bottles or glasses of wine while we went to that thing. Because <laughs> yeah. like I'm not paying for it, so I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. But, but yep, thank you very much, and I appreciate it. And yes. uh, really so, wonderful. Thank you yeah, for being such a good friend. No, of course. Like that's that was the thing. I was just like, this is. This is this will be a fun time. Okay. And then, All right. uh, you know, we'll see how much we can go up next year. <laughs> right, right. All right. Okay, so, so uh, actually, you know what we should do next year, because I'll probably live out of, out of town, is that for your birthday, I'll have to come out here. Mm-hmm. And for my birthday, you come out to Dallas. I think that, I think if everything goes the way we hope it will, yeah. I totally commit to that. Right. Or meeting in the middle oh, an, cool. an extended yeah. amount of time. Yeah, yeah. So like, oh, that would be a, great. Is that, for one, you know what we should do? Nate's birthday. Mm. Go out to Illinois. Well, you know, Nate's birthday is like... It's a couple of days before yours. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we might... Well, you know what? We should go by Nate's fake birthday, which is uh, that one year, and I don't think you were able to go. Seth and I went up to his birthday, and it was in like September. So every year, I think his birthday is then. <laughs> and I go, happy birthday, Nate. And every year he goes... My birthday's not for a couple of months. Remember, it was just my 21st birthday <laughs> that we went up there for that. But uh, we should go out there for his fake birthday. Or, or if we can, we go see them. We go yeah. see their winery next year. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. Let's do that. All right. On All that right. note, let's uh, go ahead and wrap it up. And- Tastinganarchy.com, Tastinganarchy on Twitter, Tastinganarchy at gmail.com if you want to get in touch with us. Um, we're a little lax on updating the blog as much as we should, mm-hmm. but no, we'll get better at that. And yeah. um you need hosting, Bluehost, you know, hopefully yeah. we'll have a affiliate link. You know, we do get a commission from that, but, you know, that helps us fund $91 expl- <laughs> explorations yeah. of wine. Well, that's like, so, you know, this is, this was Pina Napa Valley and, mm-hmm. uh, as as Nate or as Mason as Nate <laughs> as Mason said, <laughs> we're gonna try, yeah, we're gonna try to uh, update the blog a lot more. Like one of the one of the big reasons why uh, I'm moving to Dallas and trying to start it like a little bit different career on more of a development focused is that uh, currently I work an average of like 52 hours a week, so mm-hmm. I'm trying to get to the point where I only work an average of 40, and I can actually spend time doing this kind of thing. Um, yeah. Learning and, and growing. And what helps with that to. is when we get a little bit of affiliate commission so that yeah. uh, it's worth my time. Um, and now, also, at this point, if you guys, if there's a bottle of wine that you guys want us to try, that sort of thing, you know, our, you, you guys kind of hear our price points. Yep. Um, obviously, we're not asking you to suggest $91 bottles of wine to us. <laughs> right. um, but, you know, if, if, you, if you have a, if you're a winemaker, 
or you're somehow involved in wine and you want to send us sure. stuff, reach out to us. Like we, we're definitely interested. You know, mm-hmm. we will definitely follow all the rules, guidelines that you guys may have. If you have things like that where you're you're able to provide something for us to try, anything like that, you know, we're we're interested. And what are you guys interested in us trying? Yeah. Like, I mean, at this point, it's what episode eighteen or something like uh, that. So yeah, along that line. You know, yeah. like there there are obviously a lot of wines at Total Wine, but there's mm-hmm. a limit to what we can really try. Sure. Like, you know, we we're kind of just hitting the bottom of the barrel or trying varieties just to try them. Yeah. So, like, what do you guys want to hear? Maybe you want us to go back and try one again. Like, are mm-hmm. you think we unfairly criticized one? Maybe we weren't experienced or sure. something like that. Like. So, yeah. all right. Well, that's. Uh, I think that's it for tonight. So, for tasting anarchy, I'm Jacob Lindsay, Mason Joseph. Have a great night. Have a good one. If you want to get along in Peterstown, buy some wine and pass it around. Age runs up to 49. All them cats, they love sweet wine. Drinking wine, for you to drink wine. Wine, for you to drink wine. Wine, for you to drink wine. Pass that bottle to me. Hoy! Wine, wine, wine. Elderberry. Wine, wine, wine. Cherry, cherry. Wine, wine, wine. Blackberry. Horton Sherry. Oh, pass that ball to me. Now down on Gilfrey at Willie's Den. He wasn't selling but American gin. One soldier wanted a bottle of wine. He hit that cat for a dollar and a dime. I drink a wine for the other day. Wine, wine for the other day. Wine, wine for the other day. Pass that ball to me. Now I got a nickel, have you got a dime? Let's get together and get some wine. Somebody's fifth and somebody's fourth. When you get together, you're doing things smart. Drinking wine, for the you to drink wine. Wine, for the you to drink wine. Wine, for the you to drink wine.